Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Life's so full-on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Locks down Wednesday. It's not a great day, is it? Not a great way to uh, start the middle of your week. And uh, we got some bad news last night, but uh, we can only put up with it and move on uh, and do what we can to make the days go quicker. Uh, and for you, the next three hours is going to go really enjoyably quicker because we've got Shane Bond on. Of course, he's just been reappointed uh, into the New Zealand Black Cap Group. He's the bowling coach for the T20 World Cup. Uh, Lyndon Bray, of course, a former international referee, very good one as well, administrator. Uh, he's now the CEO of the Tasman Rugby Union, so he'll have some interesting stories, I'm sure. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, Simon Dool. It's a bit of a, a bit of a reunion, I suppose, a bowlers reunion, even though uh, I never was one. Uh, Simon Dool's in an interesting place at the moment, uh, and has uh, some COVID experiences. Uh, as well as some commentary experiences to share with us. That'll be just after 10 o'clock. We'll make our way through the morning. We've got a panel. Um, Mark Ginty will be on the panel. Louis Herman, Paul Mawati. Um, hoping to get Glenn Moore, a coach of the Black Ferns as well. So we've got uh, quite a busy morning, a diverse morning, as we head towards midday. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, I had a rant prepared this morning. I was going to come off my long run. But on good advice from within my bubble, I tore it up. Be kind, she said. You see, like millions of people in this country, I've never had COVID. I've never been in contact or met anyone that has. So I suppose I should feel very fortunate. But instead, I'm guilty of feeling a bit deprived. No mates, no pub, no golf, no lunch at Craggy on Friday with the butcher. The list goes on. Relax, be kind, she said. The suspicious me thought of it. If it takes three to five seconds for a virus to spread through a door, isn't that about the same time it takes for a person to walk through that door? And if the virus had been revealed in Winton or Gore, would they have shut down Auckland? Just wait and see what happens, she said. Relax, be kind, she said. The cynic in me thought it slightly amusing that a fair proportion of those cars heading south out of Auckland last night might possibly have been heading to the Coromandel. That was an evil and a jealous thought. And they're racing at Kensington and Sandown and Doombin and Gawler and Belmont today. So why not Cambridge on the synthetic? Chill out, she said. Read a book, watch a movie, be kind. So now the concerning news this morning that four more cases have been discovered and linked. And it's the dastardly Delta to boot. This could be the real deal. And it's time to get deadly serious. 
The pub, the mates, the golf and the lunch with Butcher will have to wait. I doubt we'll go hungry. Relax and be kind. I think I will. Nine oh six here on SENZ in the mornings, and uh, what a great way to start the morning talking to one of my great old mates, commentary colleagues, uh, a, admirer, a man I admire immensely for what he's done uh, for cricket on the field and off it, and it just continues with the news that uh, Shane Bond uh, will now be part of the uh, New Zealand charge towards the T20 World Cup trophy as well. Good morning, Shane Bond. G'day, Smithy. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. Lockdown again, eh? Pretty frustrating. Yeah, I'm still in bed, mate. Just chilling out, watching watching TV. Eh? It's a little bit strange, and you know, it's a shame that again that some kids' sports affected, and you can't go and do that. And I'm supposed to be heading up to your neck of the woods to Napier to watch some Fed Cup in a few weeks, mate. So I'm still hoping I'm going to get up and be able to do that. Yeah, well, let's cross our fingers it doesn't last uh, that long, mate. Uh, let's let's look at uh, the most recent appointment for you. Um, was it a, an easy decision to get back in the fold? I think you last coached New Zealand back in about 2015. So um, with a, a, this is a, a quick fire sort of a, a raid on the, on this World Cup. Uh, something that was uh, easy when they said, will you do it? Yeah, really easy. Probably probably twofold. I mean, a, obviously to be back part of a team, a team that's going so well um, in the T20 format, which is sort of what I've been specialising in. Um, what an awesome opportunity to go to a great tournament, and secondly, getting home. You know, MIQ, it's it's, it's a it's a fortress at the moment, and it's sort of guaranteed that I get back with the boys. So, um, yeah, I'm, I've been working with the Black Caps over the last five days, and a number of guys are going on that Pakistan Bangladesh league um, since I got home from IPL in the winter squad. So, continue on that relationship through to a major tournament. There, it's pretty cool. And you've had a rich history, Bondi, of late, to be fair. Look, bowling coach of the Mumbai Indians, you're the bowling coach for the Brisbane Heat, head coach of the Sydney Thunder. So, I mean, you really have, I suppose, dedicated your, the latter part of your coaching time to white ball bowling. Um, why, why did you do that? I was probably a bit, probably the honest, financial was one, and um, the balance of being away. I mean, um, when you take on an international cricket job like it was with the Black Caps, you know, you're spending the best part of nine, ten months on the road, um, which is sort of uh, accentuated by the, the, the quarantine process now. And I see you, you'll notice that now, how they're managing the 30 players across those tours because of it. Whereas the franchise sort of space, you know, that was sort of two months away, you could pick and choose if you're lucky enough to do two, perhaps three slots away from home, which would, you know, for six months away compared to ten. Um, and when you came home, you were really off. Um, just spending time with the family, whereas when you're, you know, the Black Caps coach, Stuart Kemp's to attend work to do. So probably a better work-life balance and financially was better off. And I've loved it because you've also had the opportunity to work with a number of different coaches uh, from around the world and players. So for your own coaching development, um, it, it's been really good as well. The, the language of, of bowling and the language of, of coaching, I guess, and the, the strategies behind it have changed somewhat to, to my day. You know, I played with the great man, Sir Richard, and of course that was all about line and length. And now um, it's sort of changed to areas and channels and loads, uh, Bondi. So it's, 
I guess it's all about trying to achieve the same thing, but the dictionary is different. Oh, way different. And even made the last couple of days, which the Black Cats finished off their camp at Lincoln a couple of days there, you know, guys talking about still developing different balls. And you're talking about guys like Matt Henry, who's been around for, you know, best part of 10 years now, and he's talking about trying to bowl knuckle balls, and we're, we're experimenting on holding the ball different ways and where to bowl it and how to bowl it. That's that's exciting, you know, and you, you see guys develop these new tools and you get the opportunity to go out and, and try it in the middle. So there's a lot of uh, thinking outside the box, outside the square, different ways to attack different teams. And, you know, the T20 game can be pretty exciting because one or two balls can, can, swing, can swing a contest. So... You know, I really enjoy that side of it, the, the tactical tactical side. But ultimately, the coaching stuff still comes down. If you're going to get guys to, to try that stuff and particularly try it in a game, it comes down to that trust and the relationship you have with guys. And so that's part of lucky to go back to that New Zealand team with a, a whole heap of those players who had a relationship over a long period of time. So it sort of makes it simple just to pick up with things or ideas that you perhaps have. And, and if they want to run with it, they will. And if they don't, well... But they've got three other very good coaches to talk to anyway. Now, what I like, and when, when I hear you talking like that, Bondi, I, I love the science of it because uh, there's was such a, a sway, I think, towards batting when it came to initially to T20 cricket. Let's go and see that ball hit out of the park often and a long, long way. Uh, and, and at some point with the, with the smaller boundaries, the flat pitches, etc., it was just looked as if it was just going to be bowlers to the slaughter. Uh, but because of people like yourself and the, and the science of it, it's balanced up a bit, hasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think you see that in a heap of sport. Baseball is another sport I like. and They talk a lot about their analysis and the work now they're doing, um, particularly around pitching, and I think the same in bowling. You know, you're trying to find those little margins that make a difference. You remember talking with Trent Bolt and, and looking at field placings and, and saying, look, the ball never goes to short fine leg, you know. You, you, you bowl in that first six overs and you have a, a short 45, but the ball never goes there, so why don't we remove that fielder? Um, and often, you know, things like that, you'd never notice without the analysis or the data that sits behind it. And all of a sudden you have a fielder that sits in a different place and can be an opportunity. And that's what you're looking for when you're dealing with players like Bolt and Bomber and these world-class players. You're looking for fine margins that can can improve their game and you're still doing a little bit of technical stuff and a lot of mental stuff with all of those players but yeah that that side of the game is uh, it's really exciting and when you just implement those plans particularly against very good batsmen and they come off you know I think that's exciting for both coach and player and, and that's why I really enjoy it. Shane Bond with us it's uh, 9 13 here on SENZ in the mornings. Uh, Bondy one of the things you, you and you mentioned before about coming into the side now it's playing so damn well with you know a whole bundle of confidence and I, I look at the bowling ranks those guys that you're working alongside I wonder if we've ever been healthier uh, we've got Jamison we've got Bolt we've got Saudi we've got uh, Wagner we've got Bracewell and Henry that's the experience group that I've called Ferguson and Milner getting to that point and they're staying fit uh, and this other kid this Ben Sears now tell us a bit about Ben Sears because I'm reading stories where they say he's possibly one of the quickest bowlers in the world yeah, he um, yeah, had. Um, I've been lucky again because the the winter training squad. He's been part of that. That's a program that's been going for for the best part of ten years at New Zealand. Where sort of the generally the younger guys have come through and come into half a dozen camps a winter, and, and Ben's been part of that this year. 
very bright lad. I think he's doing law at Victoria <laughs> and bowls genuinely fast. He's the last couple of days. He bowled beauty, beautifully in the nets. Yeah, he, he would be definitely that top-end pace of 145 to 150. Uh, very, very good runner, fit kid. Um, yeah, and I've really enjoyed working with him. So, as you said, mate, you, you see an Adam Milne who's who's doing so well over in the 100 and he can't make the T20 World Cup team. And then you've got the chance now to take the Ben Sears away and see what, what he's got. What a great time for him to come into a team that's playing so well with some match you know, with some hardened international players who have had success. That's what I love about the camp now is the boys just, they're professional, they get on with stuff, they know exactly what they want, they're having those conversations, very open and honest with each other and you can see why they've been so successful. So, you know, New Zealand to be able to pick 30 players and or a whole heap of them have played international cricket and you feel like even that team that's going to Bangladesh and Pakistan without a whole heap of the front liners, there's no reason why they won't be successful. I mean, I remember in my time, Smithy, when, you know, the World Cup teams were picked with perhaps 11 and you were looking for another three or four now, you know, there's real competition and it's a, been an awesome time for New Zealand cricket and it's just, I, I have a huge sense of pride having having played, but to, to be able to come back and work with these guys is, um, yeah, it's a privilege. So that's, that's, what, that's, that's pretty cool, mate. Bolton Saudi are undoubted. You know, they, they use the conditions as well as anyone in the world at the moment. Uh, and you know they've just been a brilliant combination for us. But you know, do you look at you look at a guy like Neil Wagner, whose methods seem pretty simple. He's not the traditional build for a, a genuine fast bowler. You, but you look at him and you think, well, you know, he's got two ways of getting you out. He either bowls full to begin with, or then he just tries to nail you. Do you, do you, do you marvel at his success with those theories? Uh, I. What I love about Neil, I mean, if you said, look, we've got a, what is he, five foot ten? You know, he bowls 130, 135. Um, you know, swings the ball a little bit, but if you, if you picked a guy like him to average what, low 20s and take five wickets a test and be one of the top bowlers in the world, I mean, he's just, he's he's an example for any bowler of what you can achieve if you've got a massive ticker. And, and that's Neil's biggest strength is he backs himself, he never gives up. He just keeps coming at you all day, and he's highly competitive. And that that enthusiasm is infectious. I think when you play with guys like him, and I found that when I played with players like that, I loved playing with players like that because you know when they when they stop bowling, you wanted to pick up the mantle. And I think he's that sort of inspirational character within the team. You know, the guys who are the heart and soul of your team, and and that sort of uh, that character and that ticker that he's got. I don't I don't know if you can coach that. You've just you either have that or not, but. You can see what you can achieve if you have it, and, and I don't think anyone would ever believe Neil would have uh, had the record that he has. But the fact that he has and had such an impact on that team, you know, it's a credit to himself. And at 35, he's, he's still going strong and bowling these 11 over spells. Um, yeah, he's just been sensational, mate. And um, yeah, he he was brilliant to work with, and, and what a player he's been for New Zealand. And the other one I can add to the quartet now, and uh, this has just been an amazing story of of making a name very, very quickly and gaining a reputation with it and a big, a good bank balance because of it um, is Kyle Jamieson. Uh, this has been an outstanding rise. Uh, and is it because he's, uh, I mean, he's the opposite build to Wagner. I mean, he's six, seven, six, eight, stick an arm on top of that. Um, is it all about bounce or, or just accuracy? What do you see in this kid? Well, he's, he's just got the, the, this combination of, you know, he's six, 
like 6'8", 6'10", swings the ball, gets bounced and is accurate. It's just the baddest nightmare, isn't it? So he's like Jimmy Anderson with a foot and a half taller. Um, but the I think New Zealand cricket have reaped the benefit of their A program. You've got you've got guys like him who have gone away on some A tours, have experienced some conditions that are pretty testing. He's gone away then and thought about how he's going to improve his game. And he's still doing that. I had a coffee with him yesterday, and he's just pushing the envelope to how good he can be. So he's gone away, he's improved his game, and when he's got his opportunity for New Zealand, he's been ready. And he's grabbed it, and he's got these guys, as you said, like Bolt, Southie, Wagner around him, who are just going to help his development massively. And Shane Jurgensen, who's done a great job as well, and he's just come in and just had an immediate impact. And I think you've seen that with a number of our players now who have come in, Conway, Young, come in and had an immediate impact and just strengthened our team. So but there's no limit to what this guy can do. Now, he hasn't played a lot of white ball cricket. I think his test game is sensational. Um, and I think he'll just see improvement over his white ball cricket the more he plays. And he's, he's already started off with a good IPL, um, half of the IPL. And I think the fact that he's got some more games leading into that World Cup is critical as well. So, yeah, you know, and even his batting is going to get better. So, yeah, what a player he is. And, again, he's, he's still a young man and, and his years ahead of him, which is just brilliant. So it's a pretty diverse program, isn't it, for these players leading into this? As you just mentioned, they've got IPL to, to play other sort of stuff as well. When do they actually come together? When do you come together as a unit so you can work um, with, with your numbers as, as a group? Well, that's the, that's the thing in the current environment. You know, we've got, like even for me going to IPL, I'll turn up, you have guys coming in a couple of days before the tournament coming out of the England-India series Guys will move into that New Zealand environment in different times because the IPL teams will be knocked out at different times. Um, that's, that's just the nature of uh, how it rolls. Now, I'm lucky they'll get a chance to work with Milne, who's on standby, and Bolte, who's, who's obviously with the Mumbai Indians, and you'll catch up with a number of those bowlers who are in the tournament. And I think we'll get about 10 days before that first, first match in the T20 World Cup. So, now, you very quickly pick up those relationships that, the, the, I mean, the coaching staff all have really strong relationships with the team. And it doesn't take too much to get things rock and rolling. And, and Steady's, you know, he's brilliantly organised and everyone's really clear about how the, the team wants to go about the way they're going to play. So, mate, you'd expect all the boys to hit the ground running and, you know, it's going to be an awesome tournament. All the, any, any one of the 8, 10, 12 teams can win that tournament. So, you know, I think that's what makes the T20 format fun is because it is, it is so even and, and if one player can have a hell of a tournament, that, that can be the difference between you know winning and losing the whole thing. Shane Bond, uh, as always, uh, pleasure talking to you. So glad that you're back in the fold. I think we're very lucky uh, that uh, you've said, yep, I'd love to be part of it. I think we'll be the beneficiaries because of it. Hey, look, stay safe, stay well in the meantime, and enjoy family time and lockdown, etc. if you can. Uh, and uh, we'll catch up with you later, mate. Bondy, always a pleasure. Thanks, mate. I hope to see you soon. Yeah, cheers. Shane Bond there. What a champion bloke. Absolute champion bloke and a champion bowler, champion coach. Uh, he is the proverbial total package when it comes to what you want around your cricket teams. Uh, 8833 is our text number. Our phone number is 0800 Uh Look, it's lockdown. You must have a few opinions. and uh, You're not at work. You're not driving around. So we'd love to hear. Uh, talk about um, uh, Shane Bond. If you like, uh, talk about, give us anything really, um, and you can talk about uh, what uh, you do in lockdown. Um, what are you looking forward to the most? What are you going to miss the most uh, as we go through this horrible time again that we try to make as pleasant as possible?
From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 9.27 here on SENZ on this uh, lockdown Wednesday. Uh, sorry state that we're in, but it's uh, just one of those things that we have to get used to, and uh, especially when you've been out of it for as long as we have, and we've had the freedom to do pretty much everything we've wanted to, uh, to get a, like a six or seven hour warning that... Uh, you know, it's all going to change and go back to that horrible time way, way back. Um, look, uh, I can understand that people are frustrated on one of them, but we just have to move on. Uh, a couple of texts come in from Shane Bond, uh, about Shane Bond. Hey, Smithy, next time you have Bondy on, can you take some calls? I am coaching under 17 boys and would love to get some advice from the best. Uh, thanks, Stephen, from Manorea. Well, yeah, actually, uh, I think as our show goes forward and... and uh, you know, particularly with the ones between 9 and 12 and perhaps Staffy in the afternoon between 12 and 4, uh, we can afford to perhaps get people like Shane Bond in the studio uh, and, and perhaps have a question and answer session with them. Uh, it's not so easy at the moment because uh, they're, they're busy guys and we're just sort of getting set up ourselves. But once we get that all in place, I'm sure, and, I, and it won't just apply uh, to, to Shane Bond, there's lots of people in different areas. Uh, wouldn't it have been great to get uh, one or two of the Olympians in so you could ask them questions for an hour or two, just not with, especially now with this COVID situation, it's just not practical. But yes, uh, Stephen, it's in our thinking to do that kind of thing, and I totally agree. Uh, I'd want Shane Bond coaching my under 17 team as well. Uh, dear Mr. Smith, I have a brilliant cricket joke to amuse your listeners on the first level four morning. What do you call a coach that cricketers can easily connect with? Answer Shane Bond. It took me a while, but Tim, the teacher, Tim, the teacher, you've given me copyright to use that. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, Shane Bond, think about it, everybody. Uh, yes, John, so, uh, yeah, more, more texts, uh, 8833, phone number 0800 150 Champion guy, we, we said uh, about uh, Shane Bond, he's, he's just a brilliant guy, gives uh, great answers, and you can see why he is a successful coach, and um, you don't panic either. That's what, what I like about him. Yeah, absolutely awesome to have him on board, especially he's going straight from IPL, which is in the UAE, to coach the bowlers in the T20 World Cup which is also in the UAE and we've got uh, India, Pakistan and Bangladesh in our group so he knows a lot about subcontinent players so I think he's the perfect guy for the fit and speaking of the subcontinent Smithy Black Caps take off to Bangladesh next week Uh, that's still uh, thought to be going ahead even with the uh, level 4 lockdown but they're also due to go to Pakistan for the first time in 18 years, uh, play three one-dayers and five T20s in Rawalpindi and Lahore from September to October. Now, with what's going on with the Taliban in Afghanistan, right next door to Pakistan, I know you've toured Pakistan several times, if you're a black cap, would you be keen on right now going to Pakistan? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I mean, if you read between the lines, they will be doing a lot of homework about this already. I understand that Mike Sandal... Uh, is already over in Bangladesh looking at um, security measures, COVID-type protocols, etc. I also understand that uh, their long-time security advisor, who has uh, been with them uh, for donkey's years, Reg Dickerson, is uh, already or might be just about to get to Pakistan to analyse all those situations as well. And they will err on the cautious side. Don't you worry about that. They won't be rushing back into there. Uh, I'm not sure I would be either. Um, because there is that area of uncertainty. It would be be really good if they could, you know, because Pakistan need it, and and often it's not the the Pakistan cricketers' fault, I can promise you that. Uh, They're just in a a horrible situation there. 
Um, and I could be I could be a little bit corny here and say I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't uh, tour Pakistan at, at the moment, or I'd be wanting to know if the Taliban had any good leg spinners and a good bowling attack. That would be a bit corny, so I won't say that. We'll just go to the news at, at 9:30, shall we? Back in February, Tasman Rugby Union announced the appointment of Lyndon Bray uh, to their position of CEO. Uh, as a name familiar to uh, all of us, perhaps more so as a noted rugby referee and administrator, but all of a sudden he has jumped the fence to the bright side. Uh, good morning, Lyndon Bray. Thanks very much for joining us. Good morning, Smithy. Thanks for having me. Hey, look. Uh, hey, Trafalgar Park Nelson uh, basically is, is your base these days, uh, of course, but it, this Saturday, or is it this weekend anyway, you're, Sunday, you're supposed to host Counties Monaco, so I guess you're on hold, are you? Yes, we're all on hold, and uh, look, I, I suppose the only thing I thought last night was having come from South Africa and for the last 18 months and gone through the trials and tribulations in that country, um, I can only admire the government's resolve to to do stuff so quick um you know and let's hope that it's now contained uh to a level that's really manageable and um and rugby and everything else will just have to uh adapt accordingly so you know in my view well done to them so uh just to finish off on that point you're you're in, we're obviously in lockdown now uh, what what do you have to do or what has to happen for that uh game to go ahead at this point Oh, the, the major implication, Smithy, is going to be from the point of view that, n- number one, uh, teams can't train. So you're going to end up with, with days of inactivity, which then uh, complicates things. And, of course, number two, uh, you've got the implications of trying to travel uh, and you've got teams who are out for longer than this weekend. So, I mean, we already know that counties clearly can't travel. They're, they're in a situation up north where they're out for seven days. So we certainly won't be playing. Um, So the implication is is sort of from a wider point of view uh, for New Zealand rugby, who I'm sure will come out soon to say, well, these are the announcements and and results for the whole weekend based based on those implications. Okay, let's uh, uh, let's look at um, why Lyndon Bray became uh, the CEO of the Tasman Rugby Union because... Whilst yes. you, you know you've, you've been a referee most of the time, uh, Lyndon Bray, you, uh, you, you clearly have a, a love for the game. Well, I do. I, I probably have two loves. I have a love for leadership. I, I think um, you know, growing and and developing people and uh, making sure that they can realise their potential is, is a huge passion of mine. Uh, and I love doing that in the referee space. But I guess this this is an opportunity to to really grow my skills. Uh, in that space, leading a, an organisation, and I was very fortunate that at the time uh, to to be able to take that opportunity within rugby because I do love the game, and I, I think one of the great passions that I have coming into this role is looking at a, a really proud region like this one, and I, we have a really interesting scenario that a lot of unions don't have, which is you've you've got two provinces coming together as one in a uh, a really exciting venture just 15 years ago. So you've got two very proud provinces uh, who have a long history. Um, 
coming together as Tasman and forming what is a really compelling story. But underneath that, you know, you've got, like all around the country and indeed all around the world, you've got some really proud clubs who have struggled uh, in the last, probably especially the last 10 years. And my passion is to really grow that community game and the, the health of the clubs. And I think when I went into the interview, having done the research, that, that was probably one of the compelling reasons why I was, I was able to win the job. So uh, let's let's hope that we can make that work. And uh, we've got a big club, Hui, at the end of August, where all the clubs come together uh, with me. And we're going to be working through a sort of a, a, a big vision for how we grow the, the club game over the next three years. Well, that's important because obviously uh, at the moment your flagship, uh, your top team is performing exceedingly well and has done for a great period of time. Uh, and I, I would yes. imagine that makes it slightly easier uh, to bring clubs together and those, those various bodies for that, which would generally, I imagine, be quite a positive one to start off with anyway. Well, well, it's certainly what the Marco does, and I think there's two two really key parts about what what's made the Marco special. I mean, that, number one, that brand just took off, uh, and I made the point to people when I first arrived here. I, I don't think a lot of people locally realise how how big the Marco brand is outside their region, uh, and you you get a lot of New Zealanders who say, "Well, you know, I'm an Auckland, I support Auckland, but my second team's the Marco," and you. You know, I've had people overseas walking walking into club games that are wearing Marco jersey. So that that's fairly rare in a provincial sense. So we're very lucky to have a very strong brand, and so that helps us commercially. It means that we have great sponsors, uh, and we we have the ability to remain pretty financial. So that that's the real positive, and what that allows us to do is is work out with the clubs how best to utilise funds that will grow the game locally. So I guess our responsibility is is to work with the clubs to make sure that we get a really strong model uh, for how we take it forward. And, let, and so the point that I made was let's get that right by taking time. Uh, interview every single club, uh, which we've we've done over the last couple of months, bring them together into the hui with some really clear, clearly defined uh, purpose set. And hopefully... Uh, out of that, we get some really strong actions. And I, I think it's just so important, Smithy, because we don't want to see club rugby go backwards. Uh, if it did go backwards from where it is in, in a lot of our regions, I think we're in real trouble. So uh, this this is a really important step to make sure that we grow the health and, and the strength of our foundation. Couldn't agree with you more. I think that, that Colts-type area... I mean, you haven't got a, if you haven't got a Colts team, you really haven't got a long-term future. And, no. And you hear stories of that of that particular age group being an issue, Lyndon. Oh, it is. Uh, and I mean, we've we've got some natural challenges. I mean, uh, in in this area, of course, we don't we don't have the luxury of a university. So that that in its own right creates an extra uh, challenge for both Nelson and Blenheim. Uh, and there's ways around that, and, we, and we've got to look at how we do that. But, you know, that, that is a, a game changer for a lot of areas. When you do have a uni- strong university, it's very, very difficult not to have a strong uh, age group at, at the Colts level competition. You should have, because you, you've got so many um, good young people in there who want to play rugby. So, so that is a natural barrier, but there are plenty of people here who um, are doing diplomas in, in different types of industries, uh, we've got big industries that employ a lot, a lot of young people. 
So it's a matter of how do we bridge the gap between the schools and the clubs because that, that's an ongoing issue. Um, why do we lose so many players who did play for their clubs as a as a kid and they did go into rugby at secondary school and then somehow we seem to be losing a fair number, uh, which is not just because we don't have a university. So we've got, we've got to get our head around that and make it more compelling for those 16, 17, 18-year-olds to leave school and, and want to join their club and play the game. Yeah, I, I think uh, you're dead right there. I think it's one of the uh, the most uh, interesting and, and I think it's one of those areas that's going to define the game going forward. Uh, can you just put your, your other hat on for a second, your former hat, if it, if it still fits, uh, the refereeing hat. Uh, my, you know, I've got to say, last Monday uh, on this show was the least reaction we've had to a refereeing performance and I would assume that people were pretty happy with the, the Brendan Prickerall performance. Not easy, refereeing the All Blacks being a New Zealander at home against Australia. So I, I imagine no. that was a pretty pleasing performance. But the game, uh, since you refereed, it seems to have taken so many turns towards uh, you know, uh, communication between touch judges or ARs as they are these days, TMOs and things. How do you read refereeing now as opposed to when you did at London? Well, it's a great, it's a great question, um, and uh, there's no simple answer to that other than to say, look, the game the game has evolved at the professional level so much, and and with that comes a lot more strategising uh, by teams. That you know, you look at how organised and incredibly um, systematic teams are on defence, and that puts attack under a lot of pressure. Uh, they're under a lot of time pressure, so. There's a lot of things happening on the rugby field now in a professional game that's very fast, uh, very, very well controlled by defences, and that puts the referee under a lot of pressure, both at set piece and also at the breakdown. I mean, I, it's very hard for me to compare. If I, and I actually speaking to someone the other day at the pub who, who said, um, what did you enjoy the most when you refereed? And I said, I loved Super Rugby. That was, that was the, the game I enjoyed the most, and I probably refereed it during the era when attack was dominating defence. And so it really was a breeze to referee. You know, as long as, long as you uh, got into sync with the flow of the game, then, you know, I think you got a really good um, a good name for yourself as a referee and, and you enjoyed a, a, a stirring game of rugby. I think what we're dealing with at the moment is the defences are so strong. And I mean, I look at that line South Africa series and uh, it was actually really disappointing to watch as a spectator because there's very little rugby played. Uh, it, you know, we're lucky in this country, the amount of um, attack skill that we have and the, the depth of our, our player skill that allows us to play a, a more exciting brand. But, yeah, I, I think we've got to get on top of that. You know, the balance between attack and defence, for me, makes the difference between um, a game that's really enjoyable to watch and easier to referee versus... Uh, going from transition to transition, you know, set piece to breakdowns, difficult to get through. So we kick the ball, we go back to the line out, we restart. We're in transition a lot at the moment. So, you know, that's not easy to referee. Lyndon Bray, as always, uh, a pleasure talking to you. Uh, look, top class referee, uh, reached the top there and uh, you just sense uh, with Lyndon Bray and, and hearing those thoughts about the future of the game, uh, he's on his way to the top side of the administration of rugby as well. Wish them all the best. Stay safe down there, Lyndon. And one of New Zealand's bits of paradise, Nelson. Back shortly uh, with uh, some texts, your reaction. 
Uh, and then uh, later in the hour, of course, as we head to it, it's multi-time as we head to 11 o'clock. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Ten minutes to ten here on SENZ uh, Lockdown Wednesday morning uh, as we uh, try to keep you amused. Not able to go to work, some of you, or some working from home. Of course, not that much traffic on the roads either. Uh, look, uh, morning, the Black Caps shouldn't go to Pakistan, says Brendan of Master, and it's not safe because our players, etc. Safety is a top priority. Of course it is, Brendan. Uh, you're dead right there. Thanks for your text. And uh, that will be uh, the prime concern for New Zealand cricket. You can bet everything you like on that. And they will not go unless they are 100% sure that it is safe for those players because they've had bad experiences in the past. Not this group of players, um, but they know what it can be like. So, yeah, they'll, they'll be very, very careful. Uh, morning, Ian. Some great insights there. And totally agree, Lions. South Africa series was terrible to watch. Warren Gatlin has brought that as a coach, unfortunately. Well, it's uh, your perspective, Brian, but I'm not sure the Springboks and their coach uh, were any more interested in opening it up and making it uh, such a great spectacle. Of course, Jacques Nineba is the coach at the moment of the Springboks. I don't see much or hear much from uh, Jacques at the moment, but he's still got a very good side. And, of course, uh, that's the yardstick, isn't it, for the All Blacks? Can they beat the Springboks at the moment? Let's hope that goes ahead. Uh, look, we heard from Lyndon Bray, and it does tend to suggest that, with Lyndon's words, uh, that uh, most of those NPC games will be affected by teams travelling as much as anything else. Uh, and so, you know, if you're around the Auckland area, Auckland counties, those sorts of areas, uh, Northland, etc., um, you know, will those sides be playing this weekend? Uh, and that's in the Faro Palmer Cup as well. Uh, probably unlikely. So I think we can uh, we can look at uh, perhaps writing that off. Uh, the Women's Sales National Basketball League is only one uh, one round old, and with all the games in Auckland the second week, uh, the games originally scheduled between Thursday and Sunday will not go ahead. Uh, that's been announced by the NBL General Manager, Justin Nelson. And Saturday night's King in the Ring King Boxing event, kickboxing event, sorry, in Palmerston North, will be postponed due to the alert level change. So uh, expect more of those to happen uh, as uh, the morning goes on, as the week goes on, it's um, back to the old, uh, the ugly old at the moment here in New Zealand. Uh, when we come back to the multi, maybe I can uh, brighten up your day. But The stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away, and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, Kenny says, no when to walk away, no when to run. I should have ran yesterday. It was hopeless right from the outset. Danielle Collins broke down. She retired hurt. So that was it. Done and dusted before we even had a really fair crack at it. Um, I, I often wonder whether the TAB should just give you a dollar return for that and your multi should continue because it's not your fault and it's not the normal course of the match. Uh, maybe it's something that we can ask Paul Moati with uh, before nine, uh, before 11 o'clock if we get time. The Astros, I think, were getting beaten by the Royals last time I saw it. Anyway, I lost interest when Danielle broke down. And this morning I had a quick look at uh, the English Championship so, and Reading were 2-0 down to Bristol City. So it was a complete and utter flop, that one. Uh, so let's move on to today. Uh, look, the Dodgers, I believe, uh, will beat the Pittsburgh Pirates at a buck twenty-seven. 
Uh, Houston with Valdez on the mound will beat the Royals. Uh, having lost yesterday, they won't lose two in a row to the Royals. That's a buck 51. Uh, tennis, uh, the ATP tournament going on in Cincinnati. Dennis Shopaloff, he will beat Benoit Pair of France at buck 23. Uh, and here's my one now. I had to advise the TAB relatively early in the morning, just around 7 o'clock, so they can get this multi up and running. So it's race four at Kensington, billion-dollar baby, uh, and that's a, at around about the $2 mark. It might be more if It's at 2 bucks, you get $4.72. It might be a tad more. Having said that, uh, number one son texts me this morning. He always tries to help me with my multi. A little bit late this morning, unfortunately. He says impecunious race eight at Sandown at $2.50 in the ex-Kiwi horse. So impecunious, uh, if you want to believe uh, someone who knows. If not, you can follow me, uh, and, and that is at $4.72. So uh, a little theory coming through from Hume. Not sure if it's uh, true or not, but if the MPC has been postponed this week, uh, I'm not sure that's official from the rugby union. Can't find it yet. Uh, it could be extended at the end of the season. Plenty of time. Um, so I think that's a, a reasonable theory, Hugh, if uh, not a fact. Hmm. After the news, uh, we're looking at counting down uh, New Zealand's top 25 sporting moments, courtesy of Rebel Sport, celebrating 25 years of Rebel Sport. We have a guest coming in from the Caribbean to help us with that. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. For Rebel Sport, celebrating 25 years of helping Kiwis find their win, it's New Zealand's top 25 sporting moments from the last 25 years. Number four. Thanks for all your nominations, folks, for New Zealand's top 25 sporting moments from the last 25 years. We've compiled the list based on your feedback. And number four, yes, number four, we're getting to the top, uh, is the Black Caps winning the World Test Championship mace. Whips that one away, and how appropriate that Ross Taylor and Kane Williamson are there for this moment, for this team. It's a story that's akin to David versus Goliath. But Kane Williamson and his team are now world test champions and living proof that sometimes, just sometimes, nice guys do finish first. Well, how appropriate also that uh, that was a Kiwi voice uh, and uh, the voice of Simon Dahl, who uh, really is making his mark in world cricket commentary in, in all parts of the globe at the moment. And uh, we've got him on this morning as well, uh, this time uh, from... The Caribbean, I'm led to believe. Uh, Simon Dill, good morning to you. Um, are you in the Caribbean, and, and what are you there for? Smithy, morning to you. Uh, morning to uh, all the listeners as well. I yeah, I arrived in St Kitts last night, actually. Um, Barbados yesterday afternoon flew across via Antigua to St Kitts last night, and um, we're in quarantine for a couple of days before the CPL starts, which is the Caribbean Premier League. Um, next week so yeah looking forward to that and um having just flown from uh, from doing the 100 in, in the uk okay let's uh before we t- talk on the, the 100 and, and another couple of cricketing matters dooley uh let's uh, just relive that uh that time you, you were the lucky one i've had a couple of cracks at calling those big finals and mm. come second uh you got the good one uh the one we won but it looked uh, for all intents and purposes that we deserved to win that uh what were your feelings uh, heading down the stretch with that run chase um, pretty emotional, Smitty. I, I don't know how you sort of felt with that 
the World Cup um, final at Lords as well. It was sort of you're emotional, but you're still trying to keep composure, I suppose, um, and keep some form of impartiality because you want New Zealand to win. And I think there was a you know an enormous amount of people around the world that wanted New Zealand to win after what had happened at the World Cup, after the way that Kane Williamson and the team had conducted themselves post that, um, that World Cup loss to England. There were so many people, and, and I think even, dare I say it, quite a few Indian fans who probably thought New Zealand deserved to win that Test match. Now, they did it on merit in the end. They were the better team across the, you know, across the three and a half days that were, were able to be played. They were by far the better team, and um, they deserved it. So, yeah, in that moment, I guess you're just trying to keep your emotions in check and, and make sure you, you still call it as you would normally call it. Um, there is going to be excitement. Um, and there's going to be some passion involved as well, having having worn that shirt, um, you know, 30, 30 years ago, was it 20 years ago, something like it was. Um, so you're going to have that passion and, and that, um, you know, that, that real good feeling about it as well, I think. Well, it was an interesting test, not because of the occasion, but, uh, I mean, the state of the conditions, uh, you know, you pull back the covers each morning, you think, oh, gee, I wish I was born a bowler. Then all of a sudden, uh, you don't start the test. Uh, you know, for such a big occasion... They added the sixth day, which in the end was a blessing in disguise, uh, disguise, Simon. They got it right, but it was a bit of a stop-start affair, and it would have been hard to get momentum into what even what you were doing. Yeah, it was. I, th- I think the players found it very difficult. Um, but the good thing, what I saw from, from both camps and from management and um, coaching and the players, they were all desperate to play. India were desperate to play that last day. There was, there was so much going on around the scenes that I think the ICC, and as you said, the, uh, the sixth day was imperative in the end. I, I liked that idea just in case of weather. Um, and for us, it was sort of, uh, I mean, you've been to Southampton of late, so I hadn't been there in a long, long time. So the hotel room that I had was three doors down from the commentary box. So I was basically, I could just wander back to my room and, and chill out when there was nothing going on. So it was a, quite a weird sort of a feeling. Everybody just dispersed to their hotel rooms and then when the game looked like it was getting back underway, we'd all come back into the commentary box, which, as you know full well, is not the norm when you have a rain day. You normally sit around the back of the commentary box and chew the fat and talk a bit of rubbish and um, tell everybody how good you once were. And, and that's kind of how, you know, that's kind of how it normally rolls. But we, uh, we weren't like that. It was, it was a really bizarre one to get into. But once the cricket got going and once we got into that, particularly that last day, it was, it was fantastic. We had to use the conditions, Dooley. Um, you would have looked at them. Um, maybe got a, a twitch in the old seeming fingers yourself because uh, it looked for all intents and purposes it was going to suit the side that perhaps um, batted first. And I say that because uh, they would have had to stand some very good bowling in those conditions. So I, I think we did bat we we did bat best overall, uh, and that's why we won it. But uh, the conditions and the way that New Zealand uh, pace attack you've seen that develop over the years, Simon, since your commentary days. Uh, it's so complete, isn't it? It's just so damn complete. Yeah, it, look, it was it was always very, very good. Um, I mean, Trent Bolt is absolute world class. Tim Southey in the last two, two and a half years since not playing a lot of um, the white ball stuff and ha- has really developed his test match game and, and just still wants to play, and he's been brilliant. I mean, he was great through that series in Australia. He's been so good at home, and those, that combination has been superb. You throw the Neil Wagner factor in there. I mean, we've never, ever had three guys in excess of 200 wickets in the same team. We've never looked like it. Um, and, and Wagner's variations, he's not just a one-trick pony. I mean, I know a lot of people would say that, but he's not. And I think 
as you would know, Smitty, the addition of Kyle Jameson in the last couple of years has really just put that X factor into that bowling attack. He, it's, it's genuine, you know, 130 to 140 pace, but it's just that bounce. And that's what has upset so many batsmen time and time again. And the more comfortable he gets in that um, quartet, the, the better this New Zealand side are going to be. You throw in the Colin de Grandoms or whether they decide to play a, an Ajaz Patel or a Santner, whoever they, they look at in that spinning um, department, if they cho- choose to go down that road, it is a very complete attack. The one area that we do lack is that spin department when we go to the subcontinent, and, and that's something that is going to have to be developed. But, you know, it's a very, very good side. And you've got guys like Matt Henry, who bowled beautifully at Birmingham, the test match before, missing out on the side. Um, you know, you know you're in pretty good, pretty good stead. Dooley, just looking forward, um, are, are you anticipating uh, travelling with the Black Caps? Uh, I know you'll be at the T20 World Cup uh, in Dubai and, the, and those surrounding areas. Uh, what about are you looking forward, for instance, Pakistan? Unfortunately, it's the same time as the IPL, the Pakistan series. Um, otherwise, I would have been there. Um, it, travel restrictions at the moment are still pretty tough, obviously, with um, you know just the paperwork you you're filling in now to travel anywhere and the, and the um, restrictions and the quarantine, the COVID tests, all of those things are, are very, very difficult. So um, you need quite a lot of um, advanced warning about things. And I only got asked about the Pakistan series a few days ago and I was asked about the IPL a month and a half ago. So it, it's, mm. um, you know, it's just a way, that, a way of the world that we live in now, unfortunately. Um, so I won't be able to get to Pakistan or Bangladesh uh, and, and watch them there. Obviously, I will be in, in Dubai with the um, IPL and then the, the World T20 straight after that. And I believe that, you know, I mean, I've seen the teams announce a lot of our guys are actually going to be at the IPL and not on those tours. Mm, that's right. And I think that that's a good thing because they'll be playing the right form of cricket mm. against the right type of opposition mm. to get ready for that T20 World Cup. Uh, one of the things that, of course, the situation is, uh, at the world has changed with Afghanistan being retaken by the Taliban, Dooley, which makes the next-door neighbour, Pakistan, just slightly, slightly more dodgy in terms of wanting to tour there and play sport. Uh, with the, Bearing in mind that New Zealand have not been there for quite some time, uh, would you envisage there's a chance that might not happen? Um, it's an interesting one. Today. I was there um, when... Gosh, I'm going back to March, was it? February, March this year um, for the start of the PSL before that was cancelled due to COVID. Um, Security-wise, was outstanding. Um, they, they couldn't have done more. And they're desperate. Nimran Khan is desperate, uh, as is um, uh, Mohan Khan, that, um, to have cricket um, you know, back in Pakistan. So they've done very well with the tours that they've had there. I think, uh, you know, Looking after that multi-team sort of team tournament was, was tough as far as the PSL is concerned. But single teams going in and out, they seem to have it um, pretty much locked down well. And, and, and they do a very, very good job of the security. They cannot afford, they know they can't afford one tiny little incident. Otherwise, you know, it'll, it'll set them back another 10 to 15 years. So they do go out of their way. Um, and I would hope that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that New Zealand Players Association, New Zealand Cricket have done all their due diligence on that tour. Um, yes, it, it may have changed within the last week or so with, with what's happened in Afghanistan, but um, I, I think they'll still be doing everything they possibly can to um, to get there. Well, you've been in England commentating the 100. 
Um, now, for the, uh, our listeners' point of view, that's uh, yet another uh, hybrid of, of uh, the main game of cricket. Uh, how did it go? How, how does it work? Was it well received? Unbelievably well, Smitty. Um, I mean, the, the numbers through the gate, if, if that's what you judge it on, the numbers through the gate and the numbers watching along on television, uh, on Sky and on the free-to-air um, broadcast partner as well on the BBC, the numbers were incredible. Um, really, really good from the women's point of view, I think, for the women's game. Um, the Kia Super League, we got numbers. The Kia Super League in 2019, over the course of 15 days, had about 35,000 people through the gates to watch in total. The first 15 days of the 100 competition for the women, and they take these numbers at the halfway stage of the women's game, had in excess of 200,000 through the gates. So that just shows you that people turned up. And it was families, it was young kids, it was boys, girls, you name it, that, that came along. And you still had the normal cricket fan that came along and, and loved the beer and, and a Yahoo, but the cricket was good. Um, the, the, you know, the product, I think, I like the simplicity of it. And one of the great things, and you and I have done a lot of cricket in the last... 15, 20 years, Smithy, the, the 2020 game was designed to be short and sharp, and at times it drags on. None of these games went past three hours. Uh, it was designed to make sure it was cut from 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock um, if it was on free-to-air television, and as soon as the time started to go, there was an extra field that had to be brought into the circle for the last, you know, as soon as that time expired or you got, got behind time a little bit. Um, so, you know, they finished inside three hours. It was short, sharp. It was entertainment. And it was absolutely brilliant. It did miss a few of the overseas stars who couldn't come because of COVID, but um, I think they'll be back next year. Uh, incidentally, COVID um, with COVID, uh, have you? Uh, you've, did you have COVID, or were you very close to someone who had COVID? Yeah, yeah. We, um, I mean, I've got uh, we, we got pinged a couple of times in in the UK. Um, I got it uh, after I've had after I'd had my first uh, vaccination. Um, yeah, I caught it, and it's just sort of one of those. I mean, I, I don't want to sound flippant about it, Smithy, and it's, it, it affects everybody differently. Um, but I'll be, you know, I'm reading the numbers of the vaccinations in New Zealand, and, and it's just been absolutely useless, hopeless. In England, have just come to terms with it and said, look, we just need to make sure we are vaccinated, and we have to live with this. So I've, I've talked to half a dozen people in the last two weeks who have had COVID post double vaccinations. And they've said, you know, without underlying conditions, they've said it's just the flu. They've had two or three days with a sniffly nose and then been back into it. And I was average for 24 hours. Uh, and then probably three days, three days, four days into it, I was absolutely fine and back to 100%. And that was good only news. after one vaccination. I've now had both. Yeah, good, good news. Absolutely good news uh, that you're okay and safe. Um, just before we, we close, Dooley, one of the things that's been mooted is cricket back, or cricket into the Olympics um, in some form or another, uh, being driven actually by the ICC and Greg Barclay, of course, uh, former New Zealand chairman, is, is integral to this. Uh, would you, what, if it was to go in, having commentated all the forms now, all the forms of the game, uh, including sixes, double wicket competitions, you played in the sixes, I think, uh, uh, what form would you think would be ideal for the Olympics? Wow. Um, God, it couldn't be any more than 2020, and I, and I think 2020 would be too long for the Olympics. So I've done the Abu Dhabi T10, uh, which I think would be absolutely perfect for the Olympics, or this new 100-ball competition. I think you'd have to guarantee it was over and done with inside of three hours. Um, and if you could do the T10, 
you're talking around about an hour and 15 minutes per game, which is just crash, bang, wallop, and ultra excitement. So if they, if they were going to think about putting on just a, an ultimate excitement package, the T10 would probably work, work a treat. And I think if you're going to get cricket into the Olympics um, in any way, shape, or form, whatever they will accept, it, it's the best way to go. And if, if kids around the world, boys and girls around the world, are watching cricket and thinking, I could play that, I could get into that game, no matter what format you get them into it, it can only be good for the future of the game. Yep, well, if it's fun, I think it's uh, halfway there anyway, Dooley, in the current climate. Uh, thanks very much, mate. Uh, honestly, great catching up with you. Uh, the, the paramount thing is uh, to stay safe and well over there. Enjoy the CPL. Mm. Uh, and I know you've got uh, a truckload of events coming up on your calendar, so and you won't be back to New Zealand for quite some time. So uh, travel well, my friend. I uh, hope at some stage uh, I can catch up with you and I can join you in the commentary box. So it would be fantastic. Yep, absolutely, Smithy. Let's hope so. And I'll, um, I'm just having a having a quiet beer on my balcony for you tonight. So um, cheers to you and, and to, to everyone at home as well. What what is it in the Saint Kitts? What what is the brew in the Saint Kitts? Well, I, I'm not drinking the local ones, Smithy. Unfortunately, <laughs> I've got the Coronas out. <laughs> oh, good on you, boy. Good on you. Absolutely, I am absolutely 100% jealous. I, I imagine you've got quite a good view as well. So I'm a deal with us there, folks. Um, uh, and we'll be having another two New Zealand top 25 moments from the last 25 years coming up with Mark Stafford after midday. Uh, all thanks to Rebel Sport. Uh, we are all celebrating 25 years of Rebel Sport. It's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Superman! Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Mark Genty and Jamie Wall joining us this morning. Of course, both have been on the panel previously. They were very good. That's why we, uh, we asked them back. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking to both of them on the subjects that we've singled out today. Mark Genty, first of all, uh, you have uh, been uh, following the Black Caps on the road uh, overseas for a number of years now. Uh, it seems uh, like forever, I'm sure it does to you, but uh, how does this uh, affect you? As uh, uh, First of all, were you looking at going to Bangladesh uh, and Pakistan, or were you going to uh, sort of cover those from afar? Yeah, morning, Smithy. Yeah, it does feel like forever sometimes, but um, no, I wasn't going to be going. Um, we were kind of touring has, has been put on hold in the, in the COVID era and also financial <laughs> um, ramifications and, and things like that. So no, we've been... I've, become accustomed to covering the black caps from afar which is good and bad um yeah it's a that's a tricky one um in terms of bangladesh it looks like they're going to be going um as planned monday night um and and then play five t20s and then on to pakistan but that, that has a little asterisk beside it now and i think the big uncertainty is that um that no one really knows what the situation is over there and that's why they're sending rich dickerson who's a who's a uh, former tough former detective from Australia who, who knows that part of the world inside out, has been with the Black Caps before when things have gone haywire over there, notably in 2002 when the, the bomb went off across the road. Um, so he he knows exactly what's going on. He's going to have a, a look next week, um, as they always do before that uh, tours, um, and just check it out. I, I, it's, it's really, it's probably 50-50 at the moment. I'd, I'd, I'd maybe just back them going. Um, they may still continue on, but uh, with the Afghanistan situation, no one really knows how dangerous and whether there's going to be more of a security risk over there. So he'll sort that out and report back to New Zealand Cricket and the Players Association and 
hopefully ease some players' minds, but if not, they they may not be going. So it's just a, a wait and see at the moment. Jamie Wallace with us as well. Had the pleasure of meeting Jamie in person uh, the other night at Eden Park, which was uh, great. Jamie, uh, look, we, we as journalists I, I, and, and sporting people, we tend to get a bit insular and a bit selfish about things, and we get most disappointed when uh, things like lockdown happen and sporting events get uh, curtailed uh, or one way or another. Uh, so here we are uh, looking at uh, maybe a really disrupted uh, MPC Farah Palmer Cup competition uh, which I suppose, selfishly looking on, um, you know, is a disappointing thing. But logistically, now all of a sudden, it becomes um, a, a hell of a different proposition, doesn't it? Yeah. Good morning, guys. Um, yeah, absolutely, it does. Um, I, I guess the one thing we can uh, take out of is we, we have kind of been through this before, so there is a bit of a blueprint um, to work with, and also a way of saying, well, what worked last time and. Uh, what could work better this time? Um, obviously, with the EPC and the FPC, uh, like, <clears throat> it is obviously going to affect this weekend. Um, but uh, I think, and with no disrespect to that level of rugby, it is the one competition that probably could condense uh, quite heavily um, if they needed to in the, in the back end of the season. Uh, if you remember, it wasn't that long ago that they were playing, you know, three games a week. Um, so that can probably be done again to sort of catch up if, if hopefully if this uh, situation um, doesn't drag on. Um, but of course, you know, we, we don't know how long this is going to go for. So uh, I guess we're all in the same boat. And like Mark said before, we just don't know uh, what's happening in Afghanistan. And we, we don't know what's happening with lockdown right now. It's only been one day. So yeah, fingers crossed. Jamie, what we do know is uh, not, not enough people, I believe anyway, turned up to Eden Park for Bledisloe Cup number two. We've heard Mark Robertson, uh, Mark Robinson, the CEO of New Zealand Rugby, saying how he was pretty happy with, uh, with the crowd. Uh, I'm not sure he'd be totally happy with it. Would it is he just sort of pumping up the tyres a wee bit there? Uh, yeah, I think he's talking out his ass here a bit. Um, I, I, I can't see how you'd be happy at all with that, even if they did make money. Um, it's the optics of the whole thing that concerns me. Um, it's the fact that, uh, you know, it's generally regarded as being the All Blacks' last home test uh, for quite a while, um, you know, well into next season. Um, and there was still just a bunch of empty seats, and that's a brand that New Zealand Rugby have been telling us is a global leader in sports, and if it can't even sell out a, a, a stadium in its own home country. And if it hasn't sold out a test in its own home country since before the World Cup, well, I mean, what's going on there, really? I, I, I think that some really hard questions need to be asked about the way that NZR are engaging with their fans and the people they expect to pay those sort of ticket prices. I mean, I, I can see why they charge that much. I mean, you know, obviously they have to try and make money out of it, but they have to give something back um, uh, to the fans. The game day experience at the moment is like really, they're only really putting on a game of rugby out there and they need to look at how they're going to get uh, younger people engaged um, and convince their parents to give that sort of money over to uh, bring bring all those sort of kids along. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a tough one, but <clears throat> I hope they're having a review of this uh, because it's a really really bad look. It is. Um, the other thing, uh, just before we go to the news, Jamie, uh, you might like to comment on this. Uh, I guess RTS is uh, returned to rugby. The the much awaited debut for Auckland, Roger Tuivasa Sheck is on hold as well now. Yeah, he's probably wishing he stayed put um, where he was because it looks like it might be a while before he gets a touch of rugby ball 
again. Um, yeah, it's a real shame. Um, this this Saturday was looking like um, it could have provided Auckland with probably a bit of a bigger crowd than they usually would have got, speaking of crowds. Uh, and, yeah, I, I think we're just going to have to wait and see. Um, hopefully he does get to have a run uh, during the NPC. Hopefully this, this situation resolves itself in time for him to have a go because this was this was going to really give us a chance to see, you know, what he was capable of and build up a bit of hype for um, for the Blues for next year. Uh, so, you know, uh, it's, it's not the end of the world if he doesn't get to have a go, but, um, you know, it would have been nice because it would have put a few more bums on seats in a competition that yeah. badly needs them as well. Yeah, interesting thoughts there from uh, Jamie Wall and Mark Ginty. We're going into the news now. Uh, when we come back, Ginty, I'm going to ask you uh, about... Bondi back in the fold um, and just what kind of news you, you, you think that is. Meanwhile, uh, it's just after 10.30 and here's Trudy. Talk, big opinions, the panel. Uh, 10.33 here on SENZ. We're slapped down in the middle of the panel this morning with uh, Jamie Wall and Mark Geenty. Uh Mark uh, spoke to Bondi, Shane Bond, a little bit earlier this morning. Uh, happy to be back in the fold. Relishes the opportunity to work with that uh, bowling squad that he's got now. Uh, that can only be good news, and long may he stay, I feel. Yeah, I agree. No, it's great to see him back. He's a, yeah, I, like many people, I'm a big, big fan of Bonnie just for what he did on the field and also the, the intel and the um, just all the expertise he, he brings um, and knowledge of fast bowling and just cricket in general. I mean, he's... He's made his name as a coach, as a bowling coach at Mumbai Indians, and also as a head coach at Sydney Thunder. And um, uh, you know, players speak highly of him. He, he demands excellence. He's no nonsense in a way, but um, players listen to him. And I think the, the, the big thing for New Zealand cricket is bringing in a guy who's kind of brings some inside word and intel on the other IPL players and Indian players. And um, I mean, they're going to play India in that second game of the 2020 World Cup, so. He's working alongside the likes of Jazz Preet Bumrah at Mumbai and, um, you know, scouting batsmen and things like that. So he's not only is his bowling expertise going to help, but he's going to bring some really good uh, insight into into the opposition they're likely to face and scouting plans, you know, plans to batsmen, um, bowling plans, and, and also how, how, how the batsmen can handle the likes of Bumrah when they're out there. So um, that IPL is looking like it's going to be a bit disruptive to, to the Black Caps build-up, but it may be the best thing that's happened because you've got pretty much all your star players plus one of your main coaches working there, playing on the pitches that they're going to play at the T20 World Cup. So um, yeah, great to see him back, and, and I agree, you know, long may it continue. Uh, well, here's a, a curly one. I'll start with you, Gents, because you're uh, a Wellingtonian and you, you would have had your finger on the pulse of this thing. Troy Balker, of course, uh, was uh, the outspoken uh, gentleman who was a shareholder in the Hurricane since being bought out, so it's come to uh, the end that everyone predicted it would do. I, I just wonder, though, um, is TJ Perinara uh, running the risk of being just a little bit too vocal in um, non-playing of rugby areas? and perhaps getting too political? Is there a danger there, or is that fair enough in this day and age? Yeah, that is a curly one. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. It's, it's tricky at the It's a tricky situation, is it? I mean, like you say, it's, it's, um, people have their opinions uh, in this day and age, and their opinions are a lot more easily and quickly expressed, perhaps without thought, or um, and, and it gets to a wide number of people, particularly through social media and things. So, um, yeah, I... I think Perinara had a right to say what he did because he feels strongly about that subject. Um, he has spoken about it publicly before, 
So I, 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 I kind of admire him for speaking up uh, for something he's passionate about, even if it is against someone who who has put money into his his professional franchise team. Uh, it was it was just an unfortunate situation. I think uh, you know you've got people with strong views. Troy Back has strong views. He's not backing down. Um, was he racist? Uh, it's yeah, it's it's a it's a can of worms in, in a way. On I yeah, I, I think the right decision has has the right result has happened. Um, whether by coincidence or not, that Bowker was saying that he was going to step out of out of the ownership as of the end of this month. Someone else may come in, may not come in, but um, I think I think Perinara would have, you know, would have, would have almost been a disservice to his his team and himself not to speak up because he has got form in that regard in terms of speaking out against uh, perceived, uh, you know, what, what he sees as wrong. Um, so that that was good. I mean, it played out. Uh, quite dramatically, um, but um, now I think everyone can move on. And, and, and TJ has made a statement, and, and I'm sure he probably had a lot of support from within. Well, he did have a lot of support from within his team as well. Jamie Wall uh, used to be a day where administ- administrators administered, players played. Is that changing uh, on the evidence of this sort of thing? Oh well, I, I, I think um, you know I echo what what Mark said. I think. Uh, you know, TJ's been vocal about this sort of stuff in the past, so for him not to say anything probably would have been greeted with more surprise than if he did. Um, I think if he hadn't said anything, the same result would have would have uh, come about um, because uh, because of the backlash that that, that it elicited from the, from the public. Um, however, you know, I think that players having uh, expressing their opinions. Um, is, is, a, is a really complicated um, subject. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, you want people to be able to just say what they think and, and everything, as long as it's in a measured, measured way. And uh, I think that had Troy Bowker not said what he said first, then we wouldn't have heard from CJ in the first place. So it's a real sort of balancing act. Um, in terms of administrators administering, yes, I would, I would love for them to just sit in the background and do just that. Um, the more that they become prominent, the more the easier it is for the media to kind of pick apart uh, the way that they go go about doing things. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like what what TJ had to say. A lot of people look up to him, um, and a lot of people share his views. Uh, so, so there's no no complaints with me on on that one. But uh, you know, in the age of social media, you know, this is what's going to happen. Um, you know, Troy Backer's comments came out because of a LinkedIn post, and TJ's response came about because of a Twitter uh, a tweet. Um, so. That's just the way the world is now. So I think we all we all ought to just get used to it. Jamie, just uh, one final thing from you in particular. Tana stepped away from the Blues to do some family stuff. Uh, is that the last uh, we'll see of Tana, or you think just a temporary thing? If you read between the lines, it's kind of hard to see it not being his kind of moonwalk out the door. Um, you know, he he came back to New Zealand and was head coach, and then took a role as an assistant coach and so now this stepping away completely it just seems like he sort of had a plan to sort of quietly usher himself out um, of this of this role um, perhaps he, you know he just felt that coaching sort of had given him everything he wanted and now it was time to sort of step away so uh, the coaching gig uh, in rugby professional rugby is something that it's once you get off that that wheel it's pretty hard to get back on um, so you know I, I wish him Wish him the best uh, for what it, what he's doing now. And um, 
you know, perhaps um, his story of, of, of his time in coaching is going to be quite a fascinating one when he decides to sit down and really have a good chat with someone about it. So I look forward to that. Uh, I look forward to you guys being back on the panel at some stage as well. Mark Genty, Jamie Wall, thanks very much for your uh, informed insights there. We'll have uh, another panel at uh, the same time tomorrow morning. Uh, yeah, really uh, good to get those guys who genuinely do have their fingers on the pulse and uh, across most things in sport, uh, even in uh, these changing times. It's lockdown Wednesday here on SENZ. Uh, when we come back, I'd love to get your feedback uh, Maybe on the TJ Perinara thing, is he within his rights these days as the world changed in that score? 88-33. Shane Bond is back in the fold, which is uh, also good news. Um, What are you going to miss most uh, in lockdown with the sport that you hoped you were going to see this weekend? Uh, 88-33 text 0800-150-811. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 1041, a text, uh, it says 1046, but I got a text 1041 from Paul from Christchurch. Uh, said, Morena, uh, I don't have the sort of job where I can listen to the radio, so enjoying having the chance to listen to SENZ uh, throughout the morning. Uh, a little silver lining in the level four cloud. Uh, great stuff. So, yeah, we, we uh, anticipate that we probably have got some uh, more listeners who are having to work from home or just not work at all. Uh, looking for something to do, so uh, we appreciate uh, you people coming in. Uh, another text to say that um, perhaps TJ should just stick to his knitting because uh, in the end the administrators will sort it out anyway. <coughs> and is he actually now the, uh, the number two halfback back in New Zealand, uh, now that he's back, John, because he was off the bench on Saturday night, is he number two or is he still behind? Um, it's a good text actually, Brad Weber, uh, and for that matter, Finlay Christie, who only left the, uh, the side due to um, <coughs> injury. What, what, what do you feel about that? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, when you go away, this thing can happen. You can get overtaken. Um, Bowden Barrett slipped to a distant second, in my opinion, for his sojourn in Japan. And TJ Pedernato was already walking a, a bit of a tightrope, I think, of whether he was the best guy to bring off the bench. He's very much rocks and diamonds, I think, sometimes. When he comes off the bench for the All Blacks, sometimes he's brilliant in that defensive sort of experienced guy is what you need to close out a match, but sometimes he comes on and some really poor box kicking and his service isn't as crisp as a guy who would come on like a Brad Weber. I think Finlay Christie's too early for him, Smithy. Um, I think he's a distant fourth at the moment, but that battle between Weber and Perinara is definitely on, in my mind. I like Brad Weber. I think he's like for like when you bring him on to replace uh, Aaron Smith. Of course, Aaron Smith's the best in the world, um, but Brad Weber has got that kind of game, that up-tempo sort of game that I like, whereas TJ Pedernada's more methodical, I'd say, Smithy. What about you in the picking order of the nines? Yeah, I think you're right. I think you've picked it. Uh, I, I, I think you've got to earn your place back in there, um, particularly if you go off contract, uh, which is what he did. That was the difference between him, of course, and Bowden Barrett um, uh, and Brody Retallick. Uh, here's an interesting uh, text, John, that, that has come in, and I assume it, it's about uh, TJ Perinara because, of course, he was making big noises and threatening to go to rugby league, wasn't he? So here's a, a text that's come in. Is there not a similarity between Israel Falau and uh, TJ? Both think that they are bigger than the game, both willing to change codes when it suits them. Well, that's an interesting one. That's, that, that's one that polarised people. Yeah, yeah, well, Israel Falau, that was, you know... We, we all know, we've all been there and done that. Uh, whereas TJ Pedernara, I think, comes from a good place. 
you know. Uh, and he's got all the right to be off contract and go for a, a contract in rugby league. And he was very close. And that was all genuine. Like, we want our sports stars to be genuine. So when they are, I don't really want to hang them out to dry. I think we should listen to what they have to say and then judge them on that. And I think what TJ Peronata's had to say has come from a great place, uh, whereas Israel Folau hasn't come from a good place at all, Smithy. Okay, here's another one that's uh, just come in. Uh, it's about Ruby Tui. Now, Ruby Tui, uh, it says, Is, isn't she great? Isn't she becoming the media darling? I mean, this is on the back of an of a interview she's been doing uh, during the Olympics, of course, when uh, uh, they said it was one of the great post-match interviews of all time. Uh, going back into, I think, to, to the BBC, so that's a big market. Uh, and then, of course, uh, when she comes home, uh, she's the first face you go to. She's smiling and bubbling and on the news, etc., saying how great it is um, that uh, all these kids have come out to, to salute their gold medal, etc., and, uh, and particularly the young girls who they hope will be the future of um, New Zealand women's rugby. So is Ru- Ruby Tui becoming a bit of a media darling? She always has been. Um, I used to be a reporter before this job and loved Ruby Tui. Um, always a great interview. We've always loved her in New Zealand, but it's not until people blow up overseas, BBC, and then um, Snoop Dogg even, Smithy, on social media saw the women's team mm. doing a haka, and he commented on it, um, and then Ruby Tui commented on that. So she's just gone completely global, which is great. It's exactly what we want from our sports stars, to be themselves. Uh, you fall in love with them because New Zealand is a great people, Smithy. And we just want to show the world that, and she has. So I think it's been really good for the women's game and great for Ruby Tui that she's the face of it. She's awesome. Okay, some interesting texts. Uh, provocative texts too, uh, particularly with uh, TJ, of course. Uh, and he doesn't hide behind that. Uh, his, what he says uh, does provoke comment from time to time. Uh, it tends to polarise people from time to time as well. But that is just TJ. Love him or not. 10.51 here on SENZ. Uh, on this Wednesday lockdown morning uh, when we return. Louis Herman Watt, uh, that'll be courtesy of loveracing.nz and then we'll pop across to the TAB and see what's hot because on a day like today, you might want to have a bet to keep you interested. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The Love Racing Update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. (laughs) (laughs) Louis Herman Watt is with us by phone this morning. So he's obviously left the studio and observing the the protocols of COVID is headed off to a nice, safe place. Uh, Louis, uh, what I want to talk to you about today, courtesy of of loveracing.nz, is the practicality or what you're hearing about uh, now, uh, future racing, immediate future of racing in New Zealand under COVID. Smithy, um, unfortunately, I don't have a bombshell to drop here. All I can offer is kind of my gut feel. And I don't know if I'm being extremely pessimistic or if I'm being overly negative, but just reading between the lines of how things have worked, and I know we look at Australia and we see how racing has always managed to continue and they managed to carry on. Um, there are strict protocols, but barely any meets have had to be abandoned. And I know it looks so easy, but for whatever reason, my sights aren't set high here, mate. And I know that's awful to sound, and I have no, no, I don't have no information that I can offer really apart from a gut feel. And look, as far as it's level four, I just knowing the restrictions and I knowing how you know there'll be no NPC and knowing how hard, and, and this is what we're going on from last level four and the information we have at hand is it, it's not different i don't know how they're going to get meets underway and 
you know, we, we're all kind of hanging on by tenterhooks and what's going to happen at 1pm, but, you know, all indication is there is more COVID in the community. How can they drop us back a level? How could racing continue? Which is a shame because it's meant to be the Whangarei Breeders' Stakes. It was going to be a great three-year-old race. It really is the kickoff of our spring. Racing will continue in Australia on Trivia's over there. Um, there are another couple of Kiwis over there. There's great racing in Australia, and it's going to really be a, a, a kick in the guts for industry people that this is the start of spring. This is meant to be the celebration. So I am really, really holding out hope that Cam George, Bernard Saundry, Harness Racing New Zealand, Greyhounds New Zealand, the government can work together, Grant Robertson, the Minister for Sport, and the Minister for Racing, as well as Finance. I hope that they can work something out, but I don't know if I'm being overly negative, mate. I just I, I can't see it from where we sit at the moment. Okay, um, sad but true. It's uh, from Louis Herman Watt. He's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, 11.03 as we head into the last hour of our show here on Lockdown Wednesday. I'm really pleased to uh, say that we've been joined now by Glenn Moore. Of course, he is the coach of the Black Ferns 15s variety. uh, And they've had some really exciting news uh, with the fact that they've got uh, four test matches at the end of the year, two against England and two against France, who really are top-class players in terms of uh, the Northern Hemisphere uh, women's rugby teams, real challenges ahead. Uh, good morning to you, uh, Glenn Moore. This can only be good news for you and uh, your squad. Morning, Smithy. Yeah, look, we're, we're delighted to um, to get all that confirmed. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's been two years now since we've actually been able to play some official tests and, uh, you, know, you know, we desperately need that sort of competition as we head towards the World Cup in 2022. So how easy it has it been for you to stay in touch with those key players within your squad and, and, and keep them, you know, thinking positively about the possibility of matches because uh, that is a long time when you're, you know, you're a professional and, and wanting to do your job at the highest level and, and that includes coaching as well, Glenn. How easy has it been to maintain that, that surge forward? Oh look, we've um, we've we've been running camps all year. You know, four day four day camps, pretty much up until the FPC competition started. Um, so one one a month uh, for four day periods, and you know we've been you know we've had a, a group of up to around forty five fifty in at those camps. So look, I think the I think it's been frustrating for everyone. Um, however, you know we we also know the importance of what we've got coming up and. You know, there's a lot of competition for spots there, so it ha- it hasn't it hasn't taken a lot to uh, keep everyone motivated. Um, albeit, you know, we've all been dealing with a lot of frustrations. Uh, you know, it was particularly frustrating when you know, the World Cup that was supposed to be this year got postponed to next year. Mm. Uh, that took just a bit, a little bit of regathering. But uh, you know, the the group has been working really hard, and um, you know, obviously now playing FPC and and uh, getting getting confirmation of these test matches there will, will lift the motivation even more. I spoke to Ian Foster, of course, uh, All Black coach, uh, uh, after one of the tests against uh, Fiji, and I said, how close are you to finalising your group, you know, for uh, the test matches against Australia? He said, no, very, very close. Uh, you haven't had the benefit of, of seeing as much rugby as he has. How, how close to uh, a squad uh, are you in terms of what you're thinking? Oh look, we've got uh, we've got a good idea of what we're thinking, um, but but like any team, you know, we've had a run of uh, injuries to some key players, and 
you know, some of them have had to have surgery. But uh, yeah, look, we're 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 getting closer week by week, and um, you know, having the F, the FPC competition being played has been really helpful. And obviously, um, you know, having having that wider group involved um, in, in these camps throughout the year is is beneficial also. And you know, there will be there will also be some of the sevens players that have come back from the Olympics mm. that uh, will make themselves available as well. So. Yeah, look, we're 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 making good pro- progress with that, and uh, we're we're hoping in the next uh, two to three weeks we'll be announcing uh, squad. Yeah, that, I was going to ask you about that because uh, because of their achievement, their gold medal achievement, the the Black Ferns women's sevens have uh, really become uh, big news in this country, and their players in particular, their names have become a lot more familiar to all of us. Uh, have you any idea of at this stage uh, uh, of what names might be um, available to you if you require them? Oh look, I've had um, you know I've certainly had some discussions with them with their coaching staff uh, since I've been back and even in MIQ. So look, we've 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 got a good idea, but you know we've still got a little bit of um, work to do around that. But we certainly will have uh, some available, and uh, just remembering that a lot of them have um, well, there's been a number of them that have uh, played in the 15s campaigns year on year anyway. Mm. Right, let's look at uh, where you're going and who you're up against. Uh, we know uh, the strength of England, of course. They haven't played a lot of 15s rugby either. I, I believe some of theirs was, was knocked on the head because of COVID over there. Uh, so England and France, um, and, and France are a good side uh, from what I've seen. Uh, what are you expecting there? Oh, look, um, yeah, they they got through their uh, Six Nations uh, earlier in the year and, um, you know, they certainly... They're certainly uh, building. There's a few, few new faces in both those squads as well. But uh, you know, two of the best sides in the world, clearly. And um, you know, they're they're obviously progressing their game like what we are. And um, you know, they'll be really formidable opposition. And and that's why it's important that we that we get this sort of competition against other tier one nations, really. France, um, uh, if they're anything like their men's team, of course, are very very unpredictable. But um, you know, I, this will, I think, you know, Australia aside, uh, this will be your, your greatest test. So I, I suppose you've got to hit the ground running because they'll be waiting. Yeah, they'll definitely be waiting. And uh, the thing that we always know in, in the female game, and we, we talk about it often, is no matter who we play against, they seem to find an extra 10% just because it's us. So, you know, we, we, we welcome that. But um, we also know that we've got to make sure that we've, you know, we're really on on our game to ensure that uh, you know we can be successful with those and uh, you know we we know both England and France um, as you say France are a bit unpredictable but they're big forwards they've got a lot of speed um, and they typically both teams have uh, good kicking games so you know they 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 pose a challenge all across the park and uh, you know we've got to bring our best to be able to win. Looking at what you can look at in terms of talent that, that you've got to pick from uh, in the Farah Palmer Cup. Uh, if I look at the result, particularly in the early rounds, uh, it appeared as if they were closing the gap. Some of the sides were closing the gap a little bit uh, on Canterbury. Manor 2 have been extremely strong in, in their side. Walks Bay up and down. But uh, you know, I, when you're looking at these sorts, of, does it appear um, that your talent pool is expanding because of the sides coming closer together? Yeah, look, I think I think that's definitely the case, and and um, 
I think the other thing that's really standing out to us is uh, some of the young players, how quickly they're progressing with this uh, with this competition. And you know, we've it's already out there that um, you know, there'll be an elite type competition at the start of next year that'll be similar to Super Rugby. Um, so the more that those players get that level of competition, the faster they're going to grow. And um, you know, there's there's clearly some real young talent there that is uh, is going to cause us a few headaches in terms of um, you know, getting our final selection done. Canterbury, of course, uh, have always produced a you know a, a production line, I guess, uh, not just in men's rugby but in women's rugby as well. They've often been the yardstick for for that. You, you see, you see that uh, through the Farah Palmer Cup results still being uh, the case. If you look at their squad, yeah, definitely they've got a lot of depth, and um, you know, particularly in the last four to five years, they've really progressed, and um, you know, they've, they've been building that depth, um, and and you're seeing all of that come to to fruition. But we are seeing some of you know some of the other teams get closer now, and uh, you know, the the Waikato's have been playing particularly well, and as you said, um, you know, in the Championship part of the competition, one or two, and that are playing well. Um, and and over the next couple of weeks, as we head towards semis, and that I I think you'll you'll see you know another progression from some of those teams. Uh, if I, I look at um, those sides, we're talking to Glenn uh, Moore, by the way, folks. He's the coach of uh, the Black Ferns. If you look at what you've got coming up, and you look at your strategy going forward. The World Cup, I would assume, you know, to, to, to get back and retain the World Cup would, would be the ultimate goal for you. So when you look at picking those sides, do you look um, at just those these, these games coming up as a, a separate entity or, or you, you know, in terms of players that you think will be around or you just want to attack these games for what they are because you haven't played for so long? I think it's a combination of both, Smithy. You know, we're we're looking at um, solidifying some of the combinations. You know, testing some of those out, testing them out against uh, uh, better competition, and uh, you know, also making sure that we're we're growing some of the talent we've we've got. So, and you know, we're still we're still a year away from the World Cup, so we've got to ensure that we've got a, a really strong base. That if we do get injuries to key people, that um, you, you know some of that groundwork has uh, been well and truly established. So, I guess, I guess to answer your question, it's, it, it is a combination of, of both of that. You know, we we um, we want to win the fixtures that we have in front of us, and we we focus uh, solely around making sure our performance is high, and the next time we perform, it's better than the last time. And um, but you know we're we're expected to win those games and um and uh we we set out to do that so we we will we'll certainly be picking to win those test matches but also grow for what we want to take forward to next year pace of the women's game is increasing as their skill levels uh of course uh, get better and better uh you know and it's becoming a very very attractive sport to watch uh glenn the officiating side of it uh, have you seen that as um as something that's a, a bit of an issue, like it has been in the men's game, uh, it's obviously you know that, you know when you, you look at the number of penalties being handed out and, and at various stages of men's games, it's quite frustrating. Is that a problem you see growing in the women's game? I think it's I think both the men's and the women's game are similar in in that respect. Um, you know they the officials have got a job to do, and you know we've got new laws that are coming into place and. 
you know teams <laughs> teams are trying out different different things in and around those laws that make it uh, even more challenging. But you know we've got to be able to adapt uh, to to those situations and and even to the frustration if there is frustration. So it's really about getting um, good understanding about what what is required and making sure that we've got good structures in place to work around that. Glenn, what are you hearing about the, the test against Australia? Because uh, they're next uh, on the roster in terms of what you've got going. In fact, you could end up playing as many as six test matches before Christmas, which is great news for you. But what are you hearing short-term about those games? Oh, look, we're, we're just having to plan for you know various situations. Obviously, those two test matches are set out to be in New Zealand, and um, that could happen. Uh, it could change a little bit. So... Um, you know we're 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 forever trying to plan around how we ensure that we we get those matches off the ground and probably just a wee bit early to to say what that could look like at this stage. You know, you know, this COVID's having a an impact as we as we know, and um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's not easy to um, to evaluate and make uh, make those decisions. It's uh, ever evolving. Okay, ever evolving. You're right, and. Uh, just one of the problems of, of being a strategist uh, with what's coming up. Glenmore, we thank you very much uh, for your time this morning. Exciting news, folks, that um, there are test matches projected anyway for the UK towards the end of the year, uh, and that's against France and England, as well as the two against Australia due to be played in this country. Uh, really good news for the women's game, and let's hope uh, this terrible thing that's lurking around at the moment frees up the opportunity for those games to Go ahead, 11.16 here on SENZ. Uh, we've got uh, our Sports No Joke segment with Nick Rado. Looking forward to that. Uh, he's a sporting fan. Uh, and, of course, uh, you'll have the chance to uh, stump Smithy shortly after uh, 11.30 it is. We've got it scheduled for this morning. So, yeah. A couple of texts have come in also. Uh, Ian, I sent you a text last week saying TJ has been, uh, TJ has, a has been and you poo-hooed me. Picking TJ ahead of Brad last week was harsh on Brad Weber. Um, show TJ the, the door and make sure it doesn't such and such on it such and such. Uh, let him pursue his political career uh, from sport. Thanks very much for that uh, away from sport. Cheers, Neil. That's an interesting and quite a, um, quite a meaningful actual text. You've got obviously got some genuine feelings a bit close to the bone for you. Uh, this morning, Smithy, Troy Belker's comments, uh, Troy Belker's comment, uh, and then posing that question to Sir Ian Taylor was a complete brain fart. Yep, maybe last century you'd have got away with it, but I just can't believe a successful businessman read the room so wrong. Big ups to TJ for calling it out. Uh, continue to send, it was PJ Tamuka, by the way. Uh, send uh, in those texts, 8833, if you've got a feeling about those issues, particularly this morning, uh, and our number is uh, 0800 150 you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 11.22 here on SENZ. Uh, just tuned in, Smitty. Are uh, the AB still going to Australia to play the remainder games or has lockdown uh, put a stop to that? Not at this stage, uh, Paddy and Lulu. Not at this stage. Uh, all those uh, games uh, in Australia, the rugby championship, of course, uh, will still be proceeding as uh, expected uh, because of fact, uh, the, this latest uh, one is has only been applied to New Zealand, of course. Uh, in Australia, it's pretty much status quo. In particular, in Perth and uh, Western Australia, uh, they're in good shape at the moment. Uh, fingers crossed. And so I, I would imagine we're still going to see those games go ahead. But basically, 
uh, in Western Australia, and they're a very similar situation to the Black Caps, actually, who are scheduled to depart Auckland on Monday night for their tour of Bangladesh and Pakistan. Uh, they were asked if Level 4 would uh, cause any issues for players uh, flying into Auckland from other cities ahead of their departure, and uh, the New Zealand Cricket's uh, Public Affairs Manager, Richard Box, said we still have some matters to work through, but we're confident we'll be able to arrange for the players to depart as scheduled. Regarding uh, COVID-19, he said uh, our players will be vaccinated and adhering to the best practice health protocols, including mask wearing, social distancing, and operating with uh, biosecurity bubbles. Uh, once in Bangladesh, they will be flying into and out of Pakistan. If that goes ahead, uh, that'll be on chartered flights. So uh, pretty much under control of the situation there. Now, one of the other things that, which of course is coming up, and we should not uh, forget that by any stretch of the imagination, is the Paralympics. And uh, New Zealand's Paralympians will be greeted by COVID-19 protocols more stringent uh, than their com the other competitors uh, who are arriving when they start arriving in Tokyo on Thursday. Uh, as COVID-19 cases continue to rise in Japan, a state of emergency is extended. Uh, Chef de Mission for their Paralympics, Paula Tessorerio, ha has uh, just arrived in the country. He said that the top priority was to keep the team made up of 29 athletes and 37 support staff safe and well, John Day. So uh, it's just going to be a big factor in almost every sports story we read out and consider uh, over the next few days, perhaps the next few weeks. Uh, the ugly uh, COVID-19 and the Delta variant, which is the worrying aspect. So I'm looking forward, not so much looking forward to it, but I'm eager to find out at, at one o'clock uh, where we stand in the country. Uh, we've had five cases, of course, and, and we don't want that to increase. So let's hope uh, with the efficient systems we've had that uh, have worked in the past that they can handle this new one as well, uh, because uh, it sounds like it's, I won't say a more lethal one, it just, sound, it just sounds like it spreads quicker in, in a much more easier way. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head though, Smithy. We have been here before, um, so I guess once we understand what we're dealing with and just how bad it is, and the sports teams especially have, have been in their own little bubbles before and they have found a way to make sport continue. So we know we'll be without it this week. That's right, from the grassroots up to the professional stuff in New Zealand sport, um, but I've, I'm pretty sure uh, where there's a will, there's a way, and the will will be there to continue sport, um, and the way is already there. They've learnt that go into your bubbles, just make sure you don't mix with the general public, uh, do everything right, and we can get sport and racing uh, back up ASAP. But one thing that we're not going to be without, Smithy, is the NRL. That always finds a way to continue. That was the first sport to get underway uh, last lockdown, and uh, the Warriors are on a three-game winning streak, and Dallin Martini Zalesniak, he's back from his one-game ban uh, to play the Broncos at Suncorp Stadium on Sunday. Always a tough place to go and play rugby league. The Warriors, uh, are you on the bandwagon, Smithy, or are you resisting jumping on the bandwagon this season? Do you think they're toast? No, I jumped at the end of last year onto the bandwagon, okay, I'm not the mad butcher-like uh, great flag waver for the Warriors, but I, I have became become much more a supporter of the Warriors, not so much uh, for what they've done in terms of uh, the points table or et cetera, uh, but for the sacrifice that they've made, uh, and basically on behalf of sports fans in New Zealand uh, and their game itself. So uh, I am quite simply uh, in awe of some of their sacrifices that they made. Sure, this professional sportsman 
sure, you know, that's their job of work to do and they live in a privileged position and all that sort of stuff. You can say that if you like. Fact of the matter is, unless you've lived a life away from your family for long periods of time uh, and tried to maintain a professional part about whatever you do, uh, you'll find it's not that easy uh, to maintain those standards. And for them to come good, and they have come good at the end of the season, they've beaten sides that you know often they would just uh, give games away to, they haven't. Uh, and I perceive that they're a fair chance of, of going on and, and, and winning this game at the weekend against the Brisbane Broncos. Having said that, the Broncos are in a dangerous kind of mood themselves, uh, John. So I, I, I'm not uh, going to say put your last dollar on it, but no. I do believe that they're a chance. They're a chance, and, and they're always a dodgy proposition, aren't they, when it comes to backing the Warriors. You, you've also got your heart in your mouth as well as your wallet, but uh, that, to me, is it's, it's always a little bit of a worry. But here you go. The Broncos are buck ninety-two. Uh, the Warriors a dollar eighty-three. That are the odds at the TAB. Yeah, very tight, very tight there. And um, yeah, the Broncos were unlucky, I reckon, last weekend against the Roosters. Uh, Sean Johnson coming home as well early from the Cronulla Sharks. His stint with the Sharks three years is over. He's on his way home, bringing Kayla Johnson as well. So the Silver Ferns will be thanking him as well. Kayla Cullen, she was of course. Um, Sean Johnson, your hopes for him. And the Warriors are his best days behind him, Smithy, or is he going to come here and finally lead the Warriors to the promised land? He's taken them to a grand final before. Can he take one more step? So I thought he went pretty good at Cronulla. Yeah, well, it might. It'll depend how he gets on with um, with Nathan Brown, doesn't it? Uh, to me, will he? You know, will he get on with his coach? Will he get on with his fellow teammates? There's been a big change in personnel since he was last there. Uh, will they welcome him back? Uh, he will know that. Yeah, and there will be questions asked, particularly within the, the dressing room, but also w- within the public and the Warriors supporters, just what kind of mood he comes back in and, and is he just coming back to, to make it easy in terms of getting towards retirement and back into New Zealand and cashing in on the way out, or is he genuine as an attempt to get the Warriors keeping going forward uh, on the pathway that they seem to or possibly are on at the moment? That, that is a big question for me. Uh, maybe we'll talk to uh, Cameron George at some stage in the next few days uh, always a good man to relate to about the current situation with the Warriors, of course, uh, and uh, the Sean Johnson issue as well. And, uh, of course, he'll be integral to anything that happens there, uh, Cameron George. So, yeah, interesting, um, JD, on, on that respect. Uh, we'll take a short break for the news very shortly. And when we come back, we're going to be uh, giving you the opportunity to stump me. 50 bucks worth of TAB vouchers. I'll go straight into your phone account, and you can have a bet with them today. How good would that be to uh, pass a bit of time uh, during COVID lockdown, uh, win some money and turn it into a lot more. 0800 150 811 uh, is the number. Call in now if you want to have a crack at me. I do not mind. People used to pay 30 bucks to get in to do it, and uh, you don't have to pay anything. That's the good news. Here's Trudy with the news. It is 11.32 here on SENZ and that really dull, dreary kind of music, instead of really putting you on the edge of your seats, it should make you sit up anyway, uh, because that signifies breaking news, uh, John Day, and and what can you give us uh, in terms of uh, what's just come through on the wire, as they say? Yes, Smithy, this has just come from New Zealand Rugby, and the headline says, all rugby in New Zealand this weekend, cancelled or postponed. Bunnings 
Warehouse MPC, Farah Palmer Cup and Heartland Championship matches. They were going to start this weekend too on Saturday, as well as all community and school rugby this weekend has been cancelled or postponed. The next round of the Bunnings MPC, FPC and Heartland Championship will be rescheduled to play at a later date in the competition. No community rugby is to be played at any level. However, provincial unions and their local organising bodies will determine whether those matches are cancelled or postponed. And of course, that's all down to the lockdown, Smithy. Oh, okay, John. Well, I'm not sure that that was a great surprise in that. Uh, I really don't. I think it's uh, obviously the common sense thing and it's done pretty early on the piece uh, and I think everyone would uh, have uh, expected it. So uh, no time uh, in the playing field. No time on the playing field uh, this weekend for our rugby players, male or female, uh, perhaps a little bit more time in the gym preparing uh, for when it uh, does eventuate. Rightio, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Play the Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. That's right, when you're locked down at home, what better thing to call SENZ and win some cash. $50 from the TAB on the line. You get three sporting categories, then get three questions to answer, get them all right, and you win $50 thanks to the TAB. Get one wrong and Smithy can stump you. And on line one we have Jason. G'day, Jason. How's it going? Good, mate. Where are you calling from? Uh, uh, you've dropped out there. Where from? Uh, hang on a sec. <laughs> Sounds like you're in a car and not locked down at all. Hey, hey. Hey, then, uh, no, I'm an uh, essential service I'm working today. Oh, just like me and Smithy, essential workers. We're doing it tough. Hey, Smithy? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Not as tough as the guys out there, though, on the road ha- uh, performing the real tasks. So uh, we look forward to giving you some money then. That's the main thing. Exactly. All right, Jason, your categories for today. I've actually only got two because I haven't done um, any work on writing any more quiz questions. So uh, you'll have football, which is soccer, or netball. Which one are you going to go for? Oh. Did you take him off the line? Get him back Who, on there. Me? No, I didn't. Yeah, Jason, okay, we're just... did you hear those? Yep, yeah, I'll take football, thanks. Football, excellent. You would have taken football anyway, even if I had a third category, wouldn't you? Probably not. Oh, okay. All right, we're underway. <laughs> Very slack from me. All right, number one, football question. English football's Premier League started in 1992. Who has scored the most goals in the competition's history? Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo? He's got him. He's out court. No, Cristiano Ronaldo is not correct. Smithy's a big football fan, so I'd expect him to mm. get a stumping here. Smithy? Yeah, I'm going to have a crack uh, uh, at Newcastle's Alan Shearer. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Unlucky for you, Jason. I've stitched you up there, and Smithy has stumped you. So, unlucky, mate. All good. Hate doing that to a good essential worker. Sorry, Jason. Sorry, you want me to lie. You don't want me to, you know? No, Smithy. an idiot every day. No, no, no. I enjoyed that from you. I like it when you win. It gets your uh, morale up and makes the show better. So, good stuff from Smithy. Reed. You're there. Where are you calling from? Yeah, from Gore. Gore. Of course you are. Fine supporter of the show. I'm going well. Yeah, that's story. Excellent. All right. How do you you go with soccer questions? Yeah, no, not not that flash. I would have rather the netball again. 
Yeah, yeah. Mm, I think we've got to continue on with the football, though, unfortunately for you. <laughs> All right, question number two. Which club has won the most English football titles? Oh, I'll just take a stab in the dark and say Manchester United. There he goes! All the way up into the stand. One ahead in the first tier. That's hitting cricket ball. Great stab in the dark there. It is Manchester United. Smithy, do you know uh, how many titles they've won and how many the next best has? I don't care. I don't give a stuff. <laughs> how many have Spurs won? Uh, go and ask Ricardo Ball. Enough. Enough to keep me happy. Go and ask Ricardo Ball. Seven, seven o'clock tonight, ask Ricardo Ball. He'll have yep. the goal scorers, the time they scored the goals. All sorts of ridiculous stuff. This tattoo on his calf. Crazy, crazy. Moving along, John, anyway, moving along. Absolutely. Speaking of Manchester United, Reid, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, he's regarded as one of the greatest managers in football history. How many Premier League titles did Sir Alex Ferguson win with Manchester United? Ooh. Um, Stab in the dark, we'll go eight. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. No, that is not correct. Not eight. Smithy, a chance for another stumping, or else Reed walks away yep. with 50 bucks thanks to the TAB. Uh, Reed's a good bloke, but I, I've got a feeling I'm going to stump him here. Uh, look, here's the thing: I, I'm going to, I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go 11. No, uh, Smithy, it wasn't 11. It was 13. Lucky for some and lucky for Reed. Well done, mate. You have won 50 dollars thanks to the TAB. Oh, thanks very much, team. No worries, mate. Stay on the line. Smithy one stumping, that's good enough. Yeah, I was, I was actually thinking 11 or 13, but um, having said that, John, uh, I'm happy for Reid. Reid supports the show. Uh, he's, a, he's a good bugger. So um, he's got the 50 bucks, and let's hope that Reid can turn it into a minimum of 500. How good, what a great story that was. Uh, a little text here from Steve from Christchurch. TJ has every right to say what he said. I was more interested in Siri and Taylor's response to Troy Balker and that he would much prefer to discuss his post with him uh, with a chance to educate him. Hmm, bit of a put down there and uh, and uh, a right, rightly one as well, I guess. Uh, 11.39am here on SENZ. Uh, it's nearly time for Sports No Joke. Our guest this morning is Nick Rado. Very interesting chap he is indeed. That's coming up shortly here on SENZ. Sports. No joke. We like sports and we don't care who knows. From Wimbledon to the Astrodome. We like sports and we don't care who knows. All righty. My name's Nick Rado. Uh, I'm married and uh, listen, the weekend, well, it's the weekend now. Um, but uh, the weekend is upon us and it's an exciting time for a married guy because before I was married, I didn't have jobs to do. <laughs> But now I'm married, I'm getting up in the morning, I'm seven jobs behind. Like, at 7.30, I'm snowed under. I'm thinking about getting another guy in. One of the jobs I have to do is to stock up our essential oils. Um, Because my wife spends about $350 a month on essential, sorry, we spend $350 a month on essential oils. And uh, what, if you don't know what it is, basically you get an essential oil and you put it into a diffuser 
And then you walk into a room and you go, gosh, I'm calm. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very good. Nelson, comedian, head writer for Seven Days on Three, award-winning comedian who has also performed internationally and opened for many world-class acts. Uh, Nick Rado and Nick Rado and I have actually worked together on a show in Australia called The Night Watchman. Uh, it was funny. It was really funny. And uh, during that show, they actually, Nick, if you recall, uh, tried to get yeah. us to uh, go through <laughs> uh, the underarm incident yet again. Uh, I ended up That's hitting a right. car, a building, and a, a someone in the head. But uh, <laughs> in the end of the day, uh, it was a lot of fun, mate. No, hey, nice to catch up with you again. What, what are you up to these days? Yeah, likewise, mate. It's been yeah, a long time between catch-ups. Uh, that was a seems like a different world when we were doing that show. I think it was literally around the January, February, just before uh, the world changed. And then, yeah, that underarm incident was was hilarious. They made us recreate it, and uh, I um, they bowled the underarm to you, and then I ran, sprinted on, put a ramp down in the middle of the in the, uh, in the middle of the pitch. It popped up, and then yeah, you smacked it, but then you hit a you hit a car. And it was a rental car, and I think they still, I think they, they, I don't know if they sent you the invoice, but they definitely sent me one. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, uh, it was good to go. But, yeah, no, we're, we're good. We're in lockdown, as, as, we, as uh, we all found out last night. So, as a comedian, uh, plenty of time on my hands. I panic bought last night two cheesecakes and a, a heat pump. <laughs> so, I don't know, I don't know how you guys have, have, uh, have taken to lockdown, but I've got a week to figure out how to install a heat pump, and um, it's not looking good. <laughs> well, that's interesting. That's interesting because a lot of people go, they, they bulk up on toilet paper. You, you eat the cheesecake. No. You know, mate, this is, so, this is not the first time I've done it either. I've been full twice. So I, I live near a cheesecake uh, factory, and they basically sell off their cheesecakes at a half price uh, when the lockdowns come in. And again, I've fallen I've, I've for, tw- for it twice. I bought basically $80 worth of cheesecake for about 20 bucks yesterday. And it's what, 11.47-ish? It, it's all gone, Smitty. <laughs> I haven't paced myself. I haven't paced myself. And uh, yeah, hey, mate, I'm, I'm feeling for it. You, you love your sport um, and you've worked mm-hmm. uh, across the Tasman a bit. And yeah, Did you have an encounter with Adam Gilchrist or you, you got something on him? Yeah, so basically on that same show, The Night Watchman, um, we yeah we got to to have some of the greats on yourself, uh, yourself of course, Smitty, and uh, we also got to chat to Adam Gilchrist, uh, another uh, wicket-keeping legend uh, of Australia. And so the joke kind of how we're supposed to set up the joke, and it's on YouTube. You can you can watch it for yourself. Um, it's like the Kiwi, Kiwi comedian gets it wrong with Adam Gilchrist. And so basically the joke was um, I was supposed to set it up that I was going to you know, say I'm a big fan of Adam Gilchrist and I used to follow him around every when he played in England. When uh, And I, I said I used to be a massive fan when you were a sex panther. And then the face on him sort of goes, what are you talking here? Like what's going on here? He's going through the Rolodex of what he's done in the past. And then it was supposed to, the other boys were supposed to chip in and go, no, Nick, you've got it wrong. He's played for the middle sex panthers. It's not, you've got the hyphen wrong in the in the thing, right? And But they never said anything. So they just let me hang there, just calling Adam Kilchrist the sex panther there. And then, I, and then I had to sort of explain my own joke. And it didn't go down that well. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> 
I was all of a sudden just this Kiwi guy just ribbing this Australian legend. And, uh, yeah, I, I um, implore you to go watch a YouTube video. It's um, got a few thousand hits on it now. Yeah, Adam Gilchrist's face just... Yeah, not getting it, but it was um, it was it was a fun encounter. But uh, yeah, that was the the best one. Well, my memory of that show is they like to take the the proverbial out of us at every opportunity, mate. So I don't mind that at all. And uh, Gilly Gilly's probably yeah. over it by now. I'm, yeah, I'm not no, sure whether Mrs. Gilly is. I don't know if Mrs. <laughs> Gilly is, but Gilly will. Be. <laughs> hey, exactly. hey, you've also you've also got a theory. Um, I'm interested in this yeah. because we've been calling for them during the week. Uh, on why Eden yeah. Park was only half full, Nick. Yeah, so I went to the game on Saturday. I took my son. My son's uh, just coming up onto seven. So he's about yeah, he's almost seven years old. So I wanted him to well, because I'm originally from Wellington. So I just really wanted him to experience how I grew up watching rugby, which is you know in a half full stadium in Wellington. <laughs> so it was just this. It was an opportunity for him to have his first seventeen dollar hot dog. Um, I was going to give him the full experience down there, and so we're down there. But it was quite—it was just—it was just an interesting vibe down there because it was an all-black test. You feel like it should be full. You should—you feel like it should be this monumentous occasion. But it just sort of felt like it was like a <clears throat> half-full Super 15, you know, rugby situation, and it just wasn't kind of just didn't have the same atmosphere. It didn't have the same authenticity, like the Mexican wave that they started. It was. It just wasn't the same. It was almost like a mix of Cali wave. It just wasn't had the same authenticity. Like it was the same vibe, but not quite. Not not really. And so um, I just think that there's. I've got a theory to it, and I just think it's that the All Blacks aren't available as available to the media and to the public as they used to be. And I feel like they need to change that because I remember when the All Blacks used to, you know, come do tours of our schools. They would. Rap and safety videos. They do meet and greet in Christchurch toilets. You know where, where are those All Blacks? You know where are the, <laughs> we need those kind of meet and greets again. Like we need some sort of um, you know personal touch with the with the All Blacks again. But I'm I'm now coming to the point in my life where we had a good run. I don't believe we're uh, no longer a rugby loving nation anymore and it's time to commit and I'm calling it here on the show Smitty it's time that we go full on kayaking year round Copenhagen world champs they're coming up go the black skirts this is it we're going to we're going to make a movement the kayak <laughs> we're a kayaking nation now we've got three golds just as many world cups so you know I'm, I'm making the call now who's with me <laughs> <laughs> Nick you're amazing mate Thank you very much. Uh, I, I'm going to join that group. Uh, already our switchboard is jammed uh, uh, with people uh, in the reaction to that little segment, uh, particularly uh, particularly that uh, uh, that comment in the middle of it. Nick Rato, you're very, very funny. Thanks. Thanks very much for being Sports No Joke segment this week. A genuinely good guy. And if you hear that Nick Rato's got a comedy show in town, go, uh, because he is a big hit in Australia, a big hit in New Zealand, and of course a very successful writer as well of comedy. Uh, speaking of successful men, Mark Stafford coming up uh, before midday. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 11.58 here, just a couple of minutes before we hand over the control of the bridge to Mark Stafford, who is already, I can see, poised in his studio in Auckland. Uh, COVID Wednesday for you, Staffy, this afternoon. Uh, during that time, we'll get an update on COVID. Let's hope, uh, let's hope for all our uh, 
particular circumstances that it's good news there. Uh, how are you going to handle Wednesday COVID-wise? Yeah, it's a bit tricky up here in Auckland, Smithy. We're allowed in the studio, we're allowed in the production hut, and that's it. We're not allowed to use the toilets, we're not allowed to use the kitchen, um, but we do get free parking. So uh, there's always a rose amongst the thorns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, you can't use the toilet. I know. There's portaloos out the back, and I went out to use them, oh. and they're locked. Uh, yeah, but if you can't use a, a flushing clean toilet, well, how can you use a portaloo? I what know. Do you buy that? <laughs> I know. It's cra- and there's barriers and road cones in the in the corridor. Oh no, I don't get that. Anyway, I I, I need a flushing toilet. I'm not a I'm not a I'm not even a glamper. I need a flushing toilet. Yeah, I do too. Anyway, m- moving along, Steph. Moving along. What? A- Getting that off my mind. Uh, what have you got on this afternoon? Uh, straight up, we've got Greg Martin, uh, the former Wallaby, uh, joining yeah. us uh, straight away uh, to talk about uh, a look back at the test, but also about this horrible situation with Totai Kefu. Uh, got Jacinda Ardern on the show at one o'clock, uh, and hopefully Ashley Bloomfield as well. Uh, Wayne Goldsmith, Great. our coach, our coaching guru. I've got something you want to listen to, Smithy, just after the two o'clock news. Annabelle Langbein with cooking tips for lockdown. Tune into that, plus that's others, me. plus others, Smithy. That's, that's me, Steph, Annabelle, big, big fan. Uh, thanks to uh, Brian, thanks to uh, JD, uh, thanks to Trudy, of course, as always. Thanks to you people eh, uh, out there who are listening to us on this COVID morning. Let's beat this dastardly the dastardly Delta. The all-new Let's kick it for sport. Take it on up front. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91